1: Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 249. Uh, We are excited to drop the uh, the goo on you and the fantasy knowledge. Uh, This show is called Make Them Say When in Week 10. So it's an election day that we're here. And uh, and so in our election, a Stag Party and I decided to vote uh, D-Rex off the show, so he's off the show for this one. And So as not per usual, uh, not sitting in the same room, Zen casting with each other, uh, across the interwebs, I have Stag Party with me. What's up, Stags?
2: Not much, man. Just ready to talk some fantasy football, uh, block everything else out for a little bit, and hopefully... You know, find out results later. It's about all we could do right now after doing the duty.
1: Yeah, I, t- I tell you, you know, we got the, I got election results going on in the background. I'm not going to be sharing any of that because this is, we're not about being political here. But, uh, you know, uh, I'll say that uh, this is a good escapism from all the, the crap I would have to be listening to if I was actually listening to what they're saying. So, so you're ready
0: to
2: But you're going to basically start that off right away going from crap to going to crap on a Thursday night and you get Cleveland and Baltimore.
1: Before we get there, let's mention we do have four teams on by this week. So the Bills, Lions, Colts, and Raiders will be on by. And yes, you're right. We do have, uh, I kind of like to call this game like the South Park game. You have uh, uh, the way that they have called the people in the election. You have a turd sandwich versus a giant douche. So, Go ahead, why don't we start with uh, the giant douche of, oh no, the turd sandwich. Let's start with the Browns.
2: <laughs> I guess they're the lesser of two evils being and 0- 9 or what are you trying to go with here? Yeah, so Cleveland you know, lost another one. They're now and 9 uh, They did what I thought might maybe be best for their long-term appeal, and they went with a Cody Kessler last week over a Josh McCown. It didn't really work out against Dallas last week. Dallas just suppressed the crap out of that offense. They ran only 44 plays. And overall, that was very much why I was worried about all of their players. And it really only looks like right now, Terrell Plyer is a consistent option as a fantasy player there. The rest of the guys are maybe hit or miss flex plays. And it's a lot more misses than hits.
1: Yeah, but I will say this, the encouraging thing that I would see for Corey Coleman here, you know, this was his first game coming back and Terrell Pryor and him had the same amount of targets at seven. So where Pryor had been a real target monster before, it's obvious here that they want to have Coleman have as equal or, you know, potentially a larger share if he gets going.
2: Yeah, I definitely think so, and he played 40 of the 44 snaps, so he was very, very involved in the offense. They expect to get him even more integrated this week. Uh, The Ravens can be beaten up over the top, Uh, not like last year, but they have given up a few long plays so far this year. So Corey Coleman and Terrell Pryor I both like. Of course, Pryor should get the dominating coverage uh, over the top uh, of the Weddles of the world you know, and maybe shadow coverage from Jimmy Smith who, now that he's healthy, has been much improved. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see how that works out. The rest of this team, the running backs against Baltimore, I want nothing to do with. But if I had to pick between the two, I'm picking the guy who can catch passes out of the backfield this week and go with the Duke Johnson over Isaiah Crowell, who's more likely to pound it up in the middle where the Ravens are strong.
1: Yeah, let's let's just back up your, your, your statement there. Last week, Le'Veon Bell, who I think everyone would agree, is a fantastic running back, uh, 14 carries, 32 yards.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're a tough run defense. They're doing what those sort of old Baltimore Ravens did back then where they just stifled the run game, make you pass, and then when they make you pass, they can get a ton of pressure from a lot of different spots. So I'm not excited if I have to play a Cody Kessler on a short week after I think he had another MRI this week. And it's it's just like every week this guy's getting dinged up. So unfortunately, you know, you might see him get pulled if you decide to go with, you know, him as a streaming option. He could just leave the game at any time, which isn't great. But hey, maybe if you're a Terrell Pryor owner, a Corey Coleman owner, a Gary Barnage owner. You're you're hoping for something like that, and you're hoping to see more of Josh McCown for this passing game. But overall, I'm not really excited about any of the Browns in this game. the The guy I'm most apt to start would be Terrell Pryor, who's just been consistent since sort of week four here.
1: Well, the guy that I'm paying attention to is Corey Coleman. I, I just want to see what happens here. We we did have uh, uh, you know Baltimore uh, did allow Eli Rogers to go for 100 yards against them last week, so. Um, if he becomes the second option that they choose to defend, then he might be able to have some success. But let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Baltimore. Let's talk, man, I don't even want to talk about Baltimore. So, so let's, let's just cover, you know, there's not much that you really want to start on Baltimore, all right? And now, <laughs> no. Let, let me, let me, let me kind of tackle this for, for, a, you know, quick thing. I and mean, it's like, you got Steve Smith and Mike Wallace are basically the two only real startable options on this team Um, you're not getting the consistent production out of them though so it's hit or miss there but those are the two best options Terrence West was the guy that everyone was liking before but if you look at his production over the last couple weeks it's been turning everything sour and last week was even more pathetic at 21 uh, yards on 15 carries and then you have Kenneth Dixon he didn't do much better but they're going to start getting Dixon a lot more touches, and that's really going to eat into Terrence West.
2: Yeah, and Kenneth Dixon's snaps continue to sort of increase lately. But I guess the real sneaky play here, and I don't know how sneaky it is, is a Dennis Pitta against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's one of the worst teams against opposing tight ends. So you got that aspect going for you. It seems like anybody who plays Cleveland as of late, uh, can get passes, going to the tight end position. So I, I really like a Dennis Pitta as a low end tight end one. And maybe this is the game where he could finally find the end zone this season, Because it's really all his game is consistently lacked because he's getting plenty of targets, getting plenty of receptions, uh, just getting the ball thrown his way. He's picking up the yards, but unfortunately, it just hasn't found its way into the end zone as of yet. Crockett Gilmore missed that last game. We'll see if he's able to come back on a short week, but maybe they take it easy because it is, you know, little brother to the Browns. Um, other than that, I think we're
1: done with that game. Would you agree?
2: I mean, Joe Flacco is actually one of the better streaming options this weekend. Unfortunately, if you look at the slate of games, quarterbacks aren't really in great places and there's no like standout streaming option. There's nobody really playing at home with the super high team total, uh, you know, and all the indicators you look for, for streaming the position. But if you expect there to be one, maybe it's Flacco. He's really the only guy at home, like locked into sort of what looks like a great matchup.
1: All right, I think we uh, covered that game. So why don't we move to the first of the afternoon, early afternoon games on Sunday. We have the Houston Texans heading to Jacksonville, hoping for a Lamar Miller party. Should we, uh, Lamar Miller owners, uh, get ready for a fiesta down in uh, the panhandle?
2: The thing is, I I don't know if they can just straight up get on the party train. Um, They have, you know, Jacksonville's a fairly middling defense. Over the last couple weeks, they've been beaten up a lot more. Uh, They sort of stuffed Sharkandrick West for a majority of that game. When he was, you know, completely, completely expected to sort of go off against that defense. They're just sort of playing a a different style of defense these days. And, you know, where they were last year down in the dumps of fantasy points against, they're now more of a middling team there. And Jalen Ramsey's playing great coverage out there as sort of their shadow corner. So that could do bad things for a DeAndre Hopkins I, I sort of expect on the road, at least they've got the benefit of a bye week. Maybe they got some things figured out there in Houston, but I, I'm not expecting a huge offensive blow up game, you know, coming out here in the division.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's a great point and you're hundred percent right. I think like Jacksonville at, at the best, I think is about what, like 13th um, in points allowed at any position. So they're, 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 they're always sitting there sitting there in that middle road those are kind of the frustrating teams you might get one player that's going to go off but you're not going to get necessarily those multiple players that are going to go off so is is this one of those games where you know obviously i think houston on the road they're going to want to try to establish lamar miller i mean that's that's the key to what they need to do you know the question for me is what have whatever happened to will fuller you know, is, is he going to make a reemergence now? Is he with the bye week to get a hundred percent healthy, you know, you know, or are we going to see more of the progression that everyone was expecting and that it should be Nuke that's getting most of the touches?
2: Well, unfortunately, like Will Fuller hasn't came back out and returned to to prominence to where, you know, he's not really practicing and, he, he might practice in a limited fashion towards the middle of the week, so overall it's a little bit concerning on his prognosis coming off sort of a week off. You expected you know a lot better news as of right now, and you're just not receiving it. So I, I think Nuke's going to be very involved in the game plan. I think they're going to have to figure out other ways to get him involved, different varieties of routes to get him the ball. So I'm looking forward to seeing if anything's changed with how they try to get him the ball, because that's going to be something that that's very beneficial to him if they can figure out new things. Uh, I really like sort of C.J. Fedorowicz. Just, I think he's a lot more involved in this offense now. I think he's going to be one of those low key uh, tight end end of tight end ones on a weekly basis, to where he could get you a touchdown, but otherwise, is a pretty consistent option on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah, he actually, I, I had him again in the waiver wire piece this week. Um, even though he was on a bye week, you know, you can't forget about these guys that are on a bye week. You know, a lot of a lot of guys drop some of these players, so when they should be adding them. And the thing that, that is so encouraging about Fedorowicz is that he blocks. So when you look at the number of snaps that he's out there for, I think he's like up there around like 88% of the offensive snaps that he's on the field. So that's giving him a lot more opportunities to make plays, and they're starting to trust him more. So you know, you, you are having a comfortable you know base level with the tight end position, which we all know now at this point is not what it was cracked up to be. And the ability to score touchdowns makes him very valuable.
2: I mean, I'm willing to start all of Fuller, Nuke, Lamar Miller, Fedorowicz. The question is, I don't think I can start their quarterback, and that's the real problem for me. I don't trust this guy at all on a weekly basis. I don't trust him on the road, and I, I can't see myself ever, even on a a week with four buys, I can't see myself coming out and having to start Brock Osweiler. It's just not going to happen for me. I'm going to look elsewhere.
1: I agree. I agree. Let's flip over to Jacksonville because here's another quarterback that's uh, just about as frustrating as the one you were just talking about with Blake Bortles.
2: Uh, I, I don't know if he's just as frustrating. He might be more frustrating because he's got talent Uh, And he we've seen an elite season sort of statistically out of him. And we know the weapons he have are top notch. So the real question is, who is Jacksonville now? We saw them come out last week, rush for over 200 yards, get both of their running backs involved. They both scored touchdowns. Coincidentally enough, they both fumbled. So so it was a strange week uh, altogether for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we also saw Allen Robinson get more involved. He's been heavily targeted as of late. He's heavily targeted in the red zone. So I really like him. But Houston's defense and their corners have been playing real well this season. We'll see if they were able to you know, put some things back together and get healthy there. But I sort of like all the Jags. This is one of those division games that could be a surprising shootout.
1: Yeah, the, the, I like Chris Ivory over T.J. Yeldon. I, I think the stamp on it was when he made that run from like what the five yard line, and then he completely floored the uh, the, the, the defensive back that tried to get into his way, and then rambled for like another thirty yards downfield. And uh, but he's not he's not a receiver, uh, so uh, the thing Did is, just lose that, your
2: mind, there, Houdini?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the, the wife just came home, and so you know now I got I got a dog with a squeaking toy, and I got uh, I got uh, I got someone pouring ice. So uh. <laughs> well, that's always nice. That's always nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, so, keep it, we'll keep, we're keeping it fresh here. So anyway, yeah. um, the, the the thing that I like, uh, so I like Ivory for his better opportunities to uh, to 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 be that guy that that's gonna also get the more of the the rushing red zone opportunities. Yeldon's going to be more relegated to being that, um, you know, the receiving back. So I just, I I like, I like Ivory for the more amount of touches. The thing I'm worried about
2: is they continually want to give the ball to Yeldon at the goal line. And they're, they're out here saying, you know, we're just trying to give different looks. And it's like, Well, I don't think you've actually given the look of Chris Ivory trying to be the hammer at the red zone all season. So I don't know how it could be much different from that. And it's just concerning overall. But yeah, I think I prefer Ivory slightly. I just think he has more juice. Uh, The rest of these guys, I'm very worried about all the perimeter players outside of an Allen Robinson Julius Thomas just hasn't been getting it done. The things he's doing in the blocking game are atrocious when he's asked to do it. So I'm just overall concerned about the state of this offense sort of outside Allen Robinson. But I'm I'm even a little bit concerned about him.
1: Yeah, well, the, the guy that is most concerned, for, uh, I'm concerned for is Allen Hearns. You know, he has just not been getting the targets. You look at it uh, last week, he was tied with Mercedes Lewis for targets. The guy that's been coming on and the guy that you can, you know, pretty much grab in almost any league is Marquise Lee right now. So, and he's a guy who got eight targets last week. So it's it's interesting to, to you know, to see how he's coming along.
2: Yeah, we've also got to remember that Alan Hearns left that game early with a concussion. So there are some concerns there. Uh, I'm just overall concerned about Alan Hearns as well, though. I don't really see him having a blow-up type Game anytime soon. He's now in the concussion protocol. And the concussion protocol was a surprise for me because it looked like his ankle was just rolled up on. And I, I was just surprised to see concussion as the label of that injury. Um, I'm worried about him for this week. I don't know if he can make it back. Uh, if he does, I still don't think he'd be a starter for me in pretty much any format. Uh, I'm just too worried about his usage on a weekly basis because now it's like is it marquise lee or is it alan hearns uh i'm pretty much and the real question is blake bortles because now his garbage time numbers are back a little bit and he's a top 12 quarterback on the season and it's just like all right blake's getting it done
1: no it's just blake doing what he does like <laughs> <Blake laughs> you know. on blake <laughs> the, the only thing I'll say, last thing you know, just about the Hearns and Lee thing is that it's if you had to be in that situation, you know that you would rather be in the situation where I, I'm a Lee owner than a Hearns owner because you're not.
2: Yeah. All right. Before we hit up this next game and talk Denver, New Orleans, let's listen to this. All righty, Denver versus New Orleans. This is another strength versus strength matchup. We've got the dominant pass D of the Denver Broncos versus the pretty dominant uh, New Orleans Saints passing game at home in the Superdome. So all things are pointing towards which one's gonna give first—a movable object, uh, you know, unstoppable force. What what's gonna happen here, Houdini? What do you like?
1: Well, I, I think this is one of those games for the Broncos where they really need a get-well game, and I think that the Saints' uh, defense is a get-well defense. I mean, look, they, they took care of uh, crushing the, the other get-well defense last week in San Francisco, but look, the 49ers put up almost 500 yards of offense against them. So if you're looking for an opportunity here where you know, Trevor Simeon and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and, and, and Devontae Booker could actually get something done, this has to be the week. So it, it, this is time for put up or shut up, especially for a guy like Devonte Booker, who a lot of people grabbed onto and and were hoping to see this ascension. And his performance in Oakland was just atrocious.
2: Yeah. In addition to that, like Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Demarius Thomas have like the exact same stats on the season when you look at it, uh, like very close. Emmanuel's a little bit more targeted than Demarius, but Demarius is scoring at a little bit higher rate. They're within .3 fantasy points of each other. In fact, in my Yahoo League this week, they have the exact same point projection of 14.7. One guy owns both of them on the same team, so that was a little interesting to stumble across. Uh, But, you know, these ancillary weapons, I'm not going to be on any of the third wide receivers even though the Saints have not given up a touchdown pass to a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. So far this season, they are funneling through the wide receiver three. I don't want to see that. Um, I I don't know which one is their wide receiver three. Is it Benny Fowler? Is it Jordan Norwood? Is it Jordan Taylor on some plays? It changes all the damn time.
1: What it is is someone who I'm not going to play.
2: Yeah, but there is a hole there. I just don't know what player is going to fill it. Uh, Virgil Green, you know, no. AJ Derby, who they recently traded for with the Patriots, no, not yet. So it really comes down to those outside receiving weapons and Devontae Booker and Capri Bibbs, because they're out here talking like Capri Bibbs is now going to get a chance for a, a majority of the carries, a majority of the snaps. They're talking up like he could be the starter this week. But this could be another game where you know both running backs perform at a pretty pretty good level, like sort of we saw out of the Saints' backfield last week. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. That Booker, I think this will light the fire up his ass, you know, with Bibbs getting some of those touches. And, you know, I don't know that Bibbs is one of those guys that's really going to be able to take the pounding inside uh, as well. You know, again, though, against this defense, Yes, I like those chances. So, you know, Bibbs will probably be one of those guys that you can pick up at uh, at dirt cheap and DFS plays. Um, whereas Booker is also not going to be anything that's going to be high price just because of the production that he's done. So, but again, this, oh, is, he this is
2: sort is, of high price though. He's like seven K on DraftKings.
1: Oh well, then oh. forget it. you're you're you're, you're going to fade on him. You know, even in this matchup, uh, it, it's just not worth it with the inconsistency that he's shown you up to this point.
2: Yeah, and then the real question is the quarterback. You know, quarterbacks playing in the Superdome against the Saints, you know, average like 20 fantasy points a game over the last couple of years. Is Trevor Simeon still capable of having a performance like he did against Cincinnati when he threw for what, over 300 yards and
1: four scores? I think he can if they play. Game plan correctly for it, right? So instead of, you know, he's just had problems. They they take a lot of shots downfield, but they just don't complete them. With this defense and and a guy like Demarius Thomas, who's able to take some of those short screens and short slants and and let them go, I think that's what you need to do. You know, look for the intermediate, the short to intermediate passes where guys are able to break away if they're in in, uh, man to man coverage and take advantage of that. I think you have enough weapons against that defense. Where these guys can be effective, and Simeon can can put up good numbers without having to to actually throw the ball all over the field,
2: yeah, I think Simeon's an interesting streaming option, maybe a low price quarterback in DFS, but you know if he up and fails like he did against the Raiders defense, which is arguably just worse than the Saints defense is right now I'm going to be very very concerned going forward and if we see that it could be packs to lunch time here real quick
1: yeah well it, if things start slipping then you know they're going to be clamoring for it but at the same time I don't know how much that's going to really help them so uh, it could be one of those situations where you know without that quarterback you see what happens to teams It's it's such an important position
2: Yep, yep. Uh, agree there. Let's flip over to the team that does have a quarterback. Let's flip up to Drew Brees going against this no-fly zone Denver defense, where you really don't want it. It looks like Akeem Talib's already gonna be out, so that that's a little bit of a plus in his you know sort of side. And also Derek Wolf suffered a hairline fracture in his elbow, so it could be even easier to run against this Denver defense. What do you like from Denver – or what do you like for New Orleans against Denver?
1: Well, I think that I'll still – you have to say – that you have to temper some expectations with Drew Brees, but Drew Brees at home, I definitely like what we have going on there. I mean, look, Derek Carr – did not have a good game against that defense, and he was at home. He only threw for 184 yards. you know. But and we saw how Latavius Murray just exposed them. Now you actually, I think that's probably where they're going to need to try to start. You had Mark Ingram who got off last week. You have Tim Hightower who is now fully involved into this running attack as well. Actually was the guy who started and was getting the majority of carries uh, until – ingram busted out the big run and just started showing himself so i think you're going to see probably an equal workload between the two it'll be interesting interesting to see who Peyton decides to give the starting nod to and it's almost one of those things i almost prefer the running back that comes in second uh against that defense
2: Yeah, I I like both the running backs this week. I think one's going to end up being a running back, too. One's going to end up being a flex play. The question is, which one do you think it is? I I still think they're going to eventually give a little bit more to Ingram, even though they they, they like Hightower taking the pounding from Ingram. I don't know if they're trying to keep him fresher for late in the season or what their overall plan for this is. But I I think both are going to be interesting plays this week. Uh, Hightower is going to be cheaper on DFS after that big explosion by uh, Mark Ingram, but Ingram or Hightower is a top 10 running back himself. They're both interesting plays. I like their odds against this Denver defense now, especially with Derek Wolf out. Uh They should be able to run the ball and they're going to need to, because I don't know what Drew Brees is going to do against this passing defense. He could be vintage Drew Brees throwing it all over the field. Uh, or, you know, they could continue to shut him down through the pa- pass game. I mean, the highest fantasy point score against the Denver Broncos from a quarterback this season is 21 points. That was Cam Newton in week one, but a lot of that value came on rushing plays. Uh, other than that, the, they haven't allowed a guy over, what, 15, 16 fantasy points? So I am concerned for Drew Brees a little bit. Uh, concerned for a Michael Thomas Who's really stepped up and been this team's number one wide receiver since week two? Uh, he's the guy you want to own overall, I think. And Cooks, yeah, Cooks is going to be hit or miss, but this is usually a game he should hit. What coverage goes his way? Does he get the uh, the Bradley Roby or does he get the uh, you know Chris Harris treatment, which is a little bit tougher? Uh, I- I'm a little bit concerned especially if I'm Willie Sneed owner, I, I think he's the complete back uh, wide receiver three now that, you know, is going to be hit or miss on a weekly basis, but it could be very good for him going up against Denver this week without Tlaib.
1: Yeah Yeah. It, it, it's going to be, it's going to be like those secondary ones. It's it's, this is the benefit of Drew Brees because Brees is going to be able to identify which of those receivers is open and take the advantage. But I think the one thing that we learned last week is that with Michael Thomas, he is going to like throwing his way and taking the chances because the way that that guy is able to go up and get it uh, is is something to be said. So you know, uh, I agree with you that Cooks. This is a game that Cooks should be able to do some damage. Uh, I, I look for that, but I, I agree. For me, it's Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed is uh, two hit or miss right now. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that if I could if I could trade him before a trade deadline in my league, I'd look to to, to move him if I could.
2: Yeah, it all depends on what you're getting back. Finally, Kobe Fleener you know, had another subpar game. They look to be running out with these three wide receivers on a regular basis. They like the blocking of John Kuhn more than they like the blocking of a Kobe Fleener. So they're running a lot of these three wide sets with two running backs. It'll be interesting to see if Fleener gets involved more against a Denver defense, which has been susceptible uh, to opposing tight ends over the last two years. Uh, This could be a game where they need to use his sort of verticality out of the position to attack this Denver defense. But he's he's a dart throw. Sometimes he's going to be on, he's going to have his games, and sometimes he's going to be completely off. Now, if I think this is going to be a better game for him, There's no real evidence other than this is how some teams have attacked Denver in the past. Yep. Uh,
1: You got anything else to say on that one? No, sir. All right. So let's go to the next game. We have the Los Angeles Rams at the New York Jets. And uh, go ahead, Stacks. Do I have to? (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't want to. I I, I prefer not to. Let me, let me breeze through it then here. So this is a situation where you have the Rams are, are just an ugly team to watch. It's, it's pretty pathetic. Um, Todd Gurley is in the worst situation. Teams are stacking the box against him. The Jets traditionally this season have been very strong against the run, uh, although I think what was we learned last week was that there's a case to be made that Jay Ajayi, uh is a lot better than everybody was giving him credit for at the beginning of the season. Uh, as he busted out for 111 yards against them on 24 carries. Gurley's going to get that heavy workload, but there's just no reason to respect anything that the Rams have in their passing game. Uh, I think the only guy of me that's of real interest on the Rams is Lance Kendrick's. You know, here's a guy uh, that has really started to get more involved in the offense. It was uh, three weeks ago, I think it was eight targets. Then two weeks ago, it was nine, and he had 12 targets last week. So here's a guy that's getting about an average of 10 targets a week and probably getting some of the better matchups out there. You know, Kenny Britt, you know, will get his 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 looks and his passes. I like him better than Brian Quick. Uh, the problem is you're just not getting the touchdowns. So at least with the tight end position, I'd rather get the heavy targets and the chance for the yardage uh, than taking my chances on Britain to the occasional touchdown once every six weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you. I, I like the receivers. Uh, this week against the Jets, I just don't know exactly which one it's gonna be. Is this a game where Brian Quick's able to get open deep? Uh, we thought there might be a chance for a guy like Kenny Stills or Devontae Parker to get open deep against this team last week. It didn't happen. Uh, you know, the admirable Jeff Fisher came out and said, you know, we need to run the ball more. We gotta get Todd Gurley more touches. We gotta get him more carries. We gotta get him going. And it's like, oh, well, you're the head coach, don't you like set the philosophy? Like, can't you just <laughs> tell them to run more? Like that 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 makes a lot of sense to me. But who, who knows? They're they're going to be eight and eight, seven and nine, and I don't have anything. There's nothing I can you or I can do to say about it to change that. The rest of the weapons: Tavon Austin, gadget player. Could there be a play where he gets open on special teams or takes one to the house on, on a random screenplay? Absolutely. Could he, you know, catch? five of 11 targets for 11 yards. Absolutely. Like there's just the spectrum of Tavon Austin is one of the ugliest in football.
1: And the only thing that really, when he made his big fantasy point scores last year, it was a lot of it came from a couple games where he it, it was two uh, kick returns for touchdowns. And so as long as you got those special teams points, those are just added bonuses. He never is going to dominate you. Uh, from a yardage standpoint, and it's it is it's it's, it's just really, blah.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Jets, another blah team. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had an MRI on his knee. It looks like he has a sprained MCL, but he completely expects to be back out there as the starter for the Jets this season. And Todd Bowles is even coming out saying you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win. And that's a bit of a head scratcher with his play this season. Cause it's been flat out atrocious, uh, Los Angeles got a lot healthier on their defensive line last week after the buy. We saw that against Carolina. They weren't able to get much going on the ground. We'll see if that is a trend that holds up against the jets who have, you know, done a very good job running the ball over the last few weeks, despite their inefficiencies in the past game. Uh, so I expect Matt Forte to, you know, get a heavy workload but this could also be a game where Bilal Powell out of the backfield is heavily targeted in the 5 to 7 range and then gets his five or so touches making him an a semi-interesting flex play. I just don't bet for it. The rest of these guys, Brandon Marshall, uh, I think he's more of a wide receiver 2 than he is that locked-in, solid, you know, stud wide receiver 1 for you that he was last year. Uh, you know, there's nothing to speak of at the tight end position. Receive the rest of the receivers. Quincy Enumla, sort of disappeared last week after having a pretty big game uh, out there in week eight or week nine. So her week eight, yeah. So I'm expecting you know maybe him to try to get back on there because J- Jalen Marshall, you know, scored a late touchdown. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson was used as their sort of deep shot play guy. So we'll see how this offense sort of develops uh, in the next couple weeks, but there's not very many reliable fantasy starters on this team right now.
1: No. And the thing is, is that I look at the Jets and they lost, you know, they lose heartbreaking games. It comes down toward the end and now they're sitting at three and six. Now they're sitting in a situation where, you know, basically one more loss and they're out of the playoffs so you know, for a team that finished what was it, ten and six, and didn't make the playoffs last year, this is a a real dangerous situation for them. And I think what's real dangerous in terms of it becomes great if if, if you the teams that are playing them going forward in fantasy, because I have a feeling that with all the veterans on this team, it's going to be one of those where people are just playing through the string. You know, you're not really going to be seeing a lot of that huge development. So. I mean, I think we've seen that on the
2: defensive side of the ball where guys like Sheldon Richardson and Mohamed Wilkerson are out there completely, you know, skipping meetings, skipping their birthday cake parties, skipping sort of everything that's involved, uh, and – you know, they were pretty much benched for the first quarter of that game, and the defense actually played better against JGI uh, than they did later in the game. They had a lot of negative plays in the first quarter with, you know, Leonard Williams out there playing his ass off, uh, and the rest of these guys sort of relegated to the bench role. So it's going to be interesting to see how they treat those two guys going forward because they, they're not getting a very good rap in the media right now.
1: Yeah, the other thing that I just worry about when we go back to the Jets' offense is – This is one of those weird games, okay, where you have a team from the the uh, West Coast coming all the way to the East Coast, having to play in an early game. So, you know, if you're actually looking at this as like a ten o'clock in the morning game for the for the for the Rams, but the Rams to me just seem like that odd team. I just get that weird feeling of this one that their defense is going to show up this week. Um, So, uh, again, I'm just I don't feel super solid about most of the jets players i agree with you that that marshall is now downgraded to like that wide receiver too um a noon was a flex if play uh so I, I i agree forte is a guy that i still think he's he's getting the workload and against the, the thing that is uh, good in this matchup for forte is that the rams offense is anemic so you're not going to have to worry about this game getting blown out where they're going to have to abandon a run game you'll be able to stay with the run game the entire time
2: yeah uh i definitely agree there Let's uh, take a break for a second here. Listen to that. And then uh, we'll talk Kansas City versus Carolina.
1: Kansas City, the Chiefs coming off a game. Actually, let's talk about the Falcons at the oh. Eagles. Falcons. I, I
2: skipped one. This is actually a good game that I want to talk about. So my bad there, boys. Uh, You skipped it to go to the Chiefs and the Panthers? I mean, come on. The thing is, I'm doing the time recording right, so I had already written in that we had switched over, so I was looking at the one with no time. That's on me. You know, I got a little ahead of myself, so yeah, my bad. Atlanta. I think Atlanta's a great team. We've seen sort of their development here. Their offensive line is stout. They could pass block. They can run block. And that sort of makes the rest of this offensive go. Uh, Matt Ryan's playing at, you know, an all pro level right now to where he could be the first half MVP. Uh, a lot of people out there campaigning for Brady on just four games of play. You know, I'm going to stick with the guy who's done it all season, played to a Brady like level. For a full nine, uh, eight or nine games so far this season. I, I'm liking Matt Ryan even against. The thing is, a lot of the good quarterbacks this season, the guys who are performing, have real tough matchups this week. Uh, so we'll see how the, all this shakes out. We'll see if what bends, what breaks. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta versus Philly is one of those type of games. But Philly's defense, you know over the last couple weeks has been there at some times and hasn't been there at others, but they are a pretty good unit and they're somebody I'm not really excited about playing. Uh, I think if you're a Julio Jones owner, their corners aren't great. We've seen them get toasted. Like Leotis McKelvin got, you know, toasted last week. Uh, Uh, the other guys like Nolan Carroll have been destroyed in previous weeks. So you like it. If you're a Julio owner, the rest of the guys, that's my question.
1: Well, I think I think you know I like it from uh, Devonta Freeman. I, I think that he's going to be used in a lot of different ways. It's uh, yet to be determined if Tevin Coleman's going to be able to come back. He was working on a side field yesterday on Monday, um, you know, but that hamstring is is uh, is still questionable. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets out there. The, if, if you have, I think this is where you can you're going to start Matt Ryan and be comfortable anyway, especially if Tevin Coleman's out there. The more extra weapons that you have, it just stresses that defense. And the way that, that the Falcons offense is just being able to kind of manhandle teams, you know, it's just overwhelming. And when you're getting the contributions from the Taylor Gabriels and these other also rands and Levine Toyolos, that's just, that's just you know, icing on top of the cake. So I look at this matchup and you got Philadelphia, you look at it, everything was, you know, Wensylvania uh, after the first uh, four weeks of the season. And now... You know, rookies having, as rookies do, you know, they haven't been able, they haven't really been letting him do some things. So what's happening there is the fandom of Philly is crazy. And now they're starting to turn on their team. So it's one of those things that the Atlanta Falcons can jump on them early in this game. I think that you can kind of get with the backlash of the crowd uh, a way to, you know, just kind of put this thing away.
2: Yeah, and we'll see about a Jacob Tammy this week. Uh, that's a major question mark uh, with his sort of shoulder injury. They ruled him out super quick last week for that Thursday night game. Uh, we'll see if he's able to get back, but if not, Austin Hooper, you know, he'll be locked in for, you know, a big role in the passing game. The thing is Philadelphia is very good against opposing tight ends. Their linebackers are very good in coverage. So Hooper's not a guy I'm going to be looking to stream like I was last week against Tampa Bay. Um Other than that, I'm not really on a Muhammad Sanu this week. I'd prefer just, I I think they'll just funnel their passing game through, you know, Devonta Freeman, Julio Jones. We'll see if Tevin Coleman's able to get back out there, and that'll make the major difference for them. Uh, But overall, I think you know your studs in this game. You start all the studs, all the ancillary players. You could just let them fall back by the wayside. Uh, What else you got? Well, I think I was
1: going to say the Falcons are basically this year's a, a true power-in-numbers team, right? I mean, you have, you have power at the quarterback, at the running back, and at the wide receiver position. Tight end, you're not getting a ton of, you know, a ton of production, but you get some decent production But if you kind of count between Hooper and, and Tammy you know, enough to get it done. So they're a team that I, I, I like almost every week, and the thing that you got to love about their offense is that their defense sucks. So that means that they always have to keep putting up points.
2: Yep, and I I think that's something they could even have to do against this Philadelphia offense, which could be a little bit underrated this week against sort of a bad defense in Atlanta. So I sort of like a Carson Wentz uh, a little bit as a streaming option at home where he seemed to perform better. You know, Jordan Matthews over the last couple weeks has been getting the job done. He should have scored a touchdown there. Uh, He was stopped one inch short, and then later in the game, You know, Wentz missed him. If you're going to blame Jordan Matthews turning the way on that route, uh, you're wrong. Like, he he shouldn't have been turned uh, over the opposite shoulder. Wentz needed to hit him on that inside shoulder, and it's a touchdown. And then that game looks completely, completely different. Um, Other than that, Darren Sproles, you know, played 80% of the snaps in the last two weeks. That is the first time in his career that he's played two games with eighty plus snaps uh, ever. So you know if they're going to continue to you know ride the veteran like this, only give guys like uh, Ryan Matthews five five to eight snaps, you know you got to start him because you know he's an option in that passing game as well.
1: Yeah. The thing is that Ryan Matthews still scores a touchdown. <laughs> so, All he
2: does is score touchdowns. Yeah. He's going to have like 10 carries on the season with eight touchdowns. And it's not going to be that dramatic, but I mean, it, it's been bad lit recently. Uh, but yeah, he's their preferred option towards the goal line. Uh, on most plays, but then also they've been mixing in Canyon Barner down there. They've been mixing in Wendell Smallwood. So even this touchdown role you think he might have as a vulture, you know, it's just not coming to fruition uh, uh, often enough for you to consider starting the guy. So I think he's a guy who's droppable right now, even though you look at his score and it's pretty good on a per game basis because of those touchdowns. I don't believe in Orion Ryan Matthews going forward. But I guess the real question after Darren Sproles, who I think is a good starter as like a RB two flex this week, after Carson Wentz, who's interesting streaming option, and Jordan Matthews, who's a wide receiver three, can Zach Ertz sort of continue that momentum that he showed in that game where he was heavily targeted, heavily involved, and you know was very productive.
1: Yeah, eight targets, eight receptions, ninety-seven yards, and it's about time. You know, this is the guy, this is the the what we've been waiting for all season from him, uh, you know, to come in, especially when you look at the the dearth of talent that they have at the wide receiver position. You know, someone else has to make up that ground. You know, Doriel Green Beckham has, has been an absolute non-factor for the Eagles. Um, you know, Nelson Aguilar is nothing that's going to do anything that's going to really make you, you excited about anything. And then you just have these other guys, you know, a Bryce Treggs and a Trey Burton. These are just flashes in the pan that they're trying out because Huff is gone.
2: Yeah, um, Bryce Treggs is a guy who made some big plays down the field for pretty much the first time in weeks for Carson Wentz. That was exciting. Nelson Aguilar showed some juice, uh, snagging balls out of the air, running after the catch. He he showed some flashes in that game for the first time in what seems like his whole career. But Dorial Green Beckham is a guy. Uh, Oh, my God. Did they throw him more fades in that game that he looked disinterested in than anybody you've ever seen?
1: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And also with Nelson Aguilar, though, fumble.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? But, yeah, that's all I got on that game. Let's go to the –
1: you got one more? Yeah, well, before we get to the Carolina uh, and uh, Chiefs game, uh, let me just kind of uh, do a little something here for you. So we, all, we already know you love playing fantasy uh, and we know that you love playing and we know that you'll love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season long league. You can do drafts whenever you want. They, uh, they last for just one day and they take only only minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free or better yet, play for money. And get this your chances of winning on draft are over 200% better than your chances of winning on DraftKings or FanDuel. Uh, we've been doing drafts all week, and, uh, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun, you know, getting a chance to, you know, you can do it with anywhere from 2 to 10 players, and you can kind of do snake drafts, and so we've been having a lot of fun with it. So why don't you just join us when you download Draft? Be sure to enter the uh, promo code PYRO uh, to download. Just search DRAFT, that's D-R-A-F-T, all caps, in the App Store, and it will come up or go to PlayDraft.com. Remember to enter the promo code PYRO when you download so you get your 100% deposit bonus. And make sure that you download DRAFT now. See you there. Yeah, we've been playing a lot of draft.
2: You know, I had the number one overall pick this week. Uh, I had to take David Johnson against San Francisco. We'll talk about him a lot, a lot more a little bit later, but he is a guy absolutely who should dominate this week. If he doesn't, I will be completely surprised, and I will lose all my money playing draft. But if I'm going to time all my money to one guy's ship, it is David Johnson against the San Francisco 49ers
1: locked and loaded.
2: <laughs> KC Carolina. Uh this is a game where, you know, we've seen Carolina's defense sort of improve recently. Uh we've seen the Kansas City offense, you know, take a step back under Nick Foles last week. We've seen their defense, you know, take a couple steps back, you know, from time to time, but they are expected to get Justin Houston back this week. Their premier pass rusher that could be a big boon for them. Let's first hit up these offenses. Let's start with Spencer Ware, who's been like the key cog to this since uh, this Chiefs offense. Uh, he is a guy who is very, very effective. He should be able to be very effective against Carolina. Should he pass the concussion protocol? So far, still deep in that apparently to where you know things are up in the qu- up in the air right now. It could be Sharkhandrick West. Uh, again this week, but right now, I'm counting on Spencer Ware coming back. I think he'll be back out there fired up, ready to play after missing last week. Sure, Kendrick West did not get the job done. You know, Niall Davis is back with Kansas City right now. He'll probably serve as the third back like he did early in the season uh, with Bishop Sankey probably being an inactive. The rest of the players, Jeremy Macklin, he's also, you know, sort of injured. Groin. 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 We'll see if he's ever... Deal you know, back 100%. I've got a question for you. I'm a Jeremy Macklin owner. Is Jeremy Macklin now droppable?
1: You know, I, I think it's interesting because what also may end up happening with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs is that Nick Foles, I think, has a good chance to win the the role even when uh, Alex Smith is able to come back. And he was it, awful, man. He was so bad in that game. He, he was, but, you know, he didn't throw an interception. You know, look, look at That's the ball. That's what we're judging quarterbacks on now, oh, the Alex you know, Smith scale? I'm judging him against Alex Smith. I mean, this is the low bar versus the lower bar. So, you know, but the, the difference is, is that Alex Smith will will tuck the ball and run with it a lot more uh, than, than Nick Foles will. So from that standpoint, I would rather, if I'm a Jeremy Macklin owner, if he's there, that at least I know that they'll try to throw the ball more. <laughs> As, as far as do I want to have jeremy macklin no i mean i the, the running backs are always the guys that you want to own them and and Kelsey who will throw his uh his towel and his his gloves and anything at a referee you know those are the, those are the guys that you want and then nobody else i get rid of macklin
2: yeah i mean i think he's you know on the border of droppable Uh, we'll see what comes out about his sort of groin injury, whether he's going to be missing a few weeks. If he's missing a few weeks, it's going to be very tough for you to keep him around on your roster with sort of bye week crunches and such. Uh, I hope he's able to get back healthy and I hope he's able to come back and get a role in this offense. But right now we just haven't seen it. Uh, other guys, you know, Kelsey seems to be the man, uh, five for 59 before getting ejected from that game after an absolute mugging in the end zone by the defense, like asking for a flag there is, you know, like asking for something for Christmas. Cause you deserved it.
1: Yeah. The one thing is uh, this was the start of just what a horrible week for the officials. This was an absolute disgrace highlighted by the roughing the kicker on Monday night, that and then having to to take the time out and then force them back the yards everything about the way that the officiating has been so far this season just kind of adds to to some of the misery and and you know i phantom calls here, other ones that you know if, if you know you're wrong, check with the other officials and make sure that you get the calls right you know i, I don't i don't this this posturing back and forth it's uh It's 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 league wide. You're hearing players complain about the officials more so than I have uh, in about 15 years.
2: Yeah, it it hasn't been great. Uh, The other weapons on Kansas City are going to be hit or miss. We've seen sort of Chris Conley take a backseat to Tyreek the free kill. Who's just showing, you know, incredible long speed, but also showing that sort of D'Anthony Thomas role from a couple of years ago, the Dexter McCluster role where they like that little hybrid running back wide receiver to come in and get some carries out of the backfield, to take end rounds, to run the jet sweep, to run all sort of those gimmick plays in Andy Reid's offense. So that's something, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds going forward. His ability in the run game or uh, return game is what makes him special, though. So don't expect him to take over a full load in the offense. Expect maybe more of a Tyler Lockett deep shot role. But this is a team that's just not going to air it out enough for you to be, you know, gushing over this guy on a weekly basis. And he's more of just a dart throw. And if you're forced to start him, you know, you've got to prepare for the possibilities of zeros of goose eggs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, uh, I don't have anything else to say about Kansas city.
2: (laughs) All right. So let's flip over to Carolina. Cam Newton had another subpar, uh, offensive performance where he just, you know, he's not doing the same things he does did last season. His numbers are actually up over the first, uh, seven games of last year in terms of touchdowns and stuff like that, uh, passing and passing yards. But things aren't just clicking, and I don't think there's going to be a chance for him to have that great second half stretch that he did last season. If I'm a Cam Newton owner I drafted him as the number one overall quarterback, I'm worried. I think he's more of a top seven quarterback now on a weekly basis, rather than the guy you have to pay up to get in DFS, rather than the guy you have to, you know, start and he, there's going to be games when you don't want to start them. I don't know if Kansas City's one of them, though.
1: Yeah, you know, and the thing, though, about Cam is I think it starts to get better, though, for him going forward because the defense is starting to play better. I, I think that was a big pro- problem early, you know, not being able to get the ball back into his hands. I think the defense has started to shore themselves up, and so that, that should help turn things over for the offense. But at the same time, what you were getting from Cam on the ground, you're just not going to get him exposing himself to as much of that damage. And, you know, in that game last week, the guy that was probably the most impressive to me with not very impressive numbers was Jonathan Stewart. Um, He only had 42 yards on 15 carries, but my God, every time he carried the ball, it was – getting hit within either at the line of scrimmage or within one yard or in the backfield and just grinding out yards, uh, you know, throughout that game. So, you know, I, you'd like the fact that he is the primary running back, so he's not getting any any competition really from a Fozzie Whitaker or a Mike Tolbert or anybody else there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Jonathan Stewart's a guy you got to start against Kansas City. He's more of a running back too. We know he's not going to be super involved in the pass game, but there's a chance for a catch or two uh, on a weekly basis. Other guys, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, I think he's a starter against Kansas City. Uh, basically, Marcus Peters is a guy who likes to gamble, and we don't even know if he's gonna, you know, follow uh, Kelvin Benjamin around. I would doubt it. I think they're comfortable enough with, you know, just their scheme. Uh, Greg Olson, you know, he's a starter on an every week basis, but Kansas City is one of the tougher, you know, defenses in defending opposing tight ends. So in DFS, he's a guy I'm not gonna be on uh, at all. Uh, and he's the guy I've been pretty good at projecting so far this season when he's going to have his down games and when he's going to have his up games. So this could be just m- more of a five for 50 type of game where he's held out of the end zone. But I, I think in regular leagues, you got to start him just because of that upside he has on a weekly basis. And his downside is greater than what some of these other tight ends are putting up on a weekly basis. It's ridiculous. Oh, like-
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. His downside is it would be a top waiver wire ad. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The rest
2: of the guys, you know, you're not really on Ted Ginn. You're not on Devin Funchess, uh, who actually made, you know, a couple plays there. You're not on Philly Brown, who sort of had a couple flash plays. All these guys are are rotating pieces in the offense and after Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson get theirs they the rest of the targets will be divvied out amongst those guys
1: yeah and the problem is that at least with last year with Ted Ginn you were getting some of those deep uh, downfield plays and and some of those other big big bumps you're not getting that and Devin Funches just really hasn't done enough uh, with his size and ability to to really take advantage of it so Um, I think that we are good and covered here on the the Chiefs and the Panthers, but before we get to the Bears uh, at the Buccaneers, let's go ahead and keep the lights on and pay the bills. Why don't you guys go ahead and listen to this? All right, so we're back, and our Bears uh, seem to be back uh, playing better football as of late, and... Get a chance at an old division rival from uh, back when it was the old, uh, uh, what were we, the Central at that point in time. Why Tampa Bay was in the NFC Central, I I still have no idea. But uh, the Bears go down to sunny Tampa Bay. Yeah, I
2: wish I was going down to sunny Tampa Bay. Uh, But the Bears are finally getting healthy. We're seeing a guy like Marquise uh, Wilson uh, potentially coming off the pup list here soon. Back in practice, we're seeing Eddie Goldman come back from his sort of high ankle sprain. We're seeing a lot of their defensive pieces sort of getting put back together. So we'll see if this defense is able to improve. And they've been a slightly improved unit over the last couple weeks. They look well coached on that side of the ball. So I'm excited to see what their defense can do against Tampa Bay. Uh, On the offensive side of the ball, Jay Cutler, I like him as a streaming option. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, it's amazing, right? You know, everybody here in Chicago, we've been calling for Jay Cutler's head. Uh, need to get rid of him. Need to have somebody else in there. Oh, Brian Hoyer's better. Look at all the 300-yard games. And then we saw, you know, Brian Hoyer not looking as good, though. And then we saw uh, what it looked like with Matt Barkley. And then you have Cutler comes back in. And, yeah, you know, a couple of miscommunications early on. But for the most part, Wow professional quarterback was making good decisions with the ball and when you talk about a matchup where you could exploit and maybe you want to take a shot with the DFS I don't know what, what his price tag is but I'm sure it's not going to be that high against this Buccaneer defense that has trouble stopping anybody you know look at look at the at the the game that the <laughs> the the Falcons put up on them on last Thursday night now granted it's the Falcons but it's just been more of the same for them all year long, and they, they are struggling uh, with injuries. Uh, I think the Bears have a good opportunity for Jay, and 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 I look for Jordan Howard to be the hammer. Um, you know, yeah, go ahead on.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they go away from Jordan Howard again this season, I will lose my goddamn mind. Like he is the bright spot of this entire offense right now, uh, especially when a guy like Alshon Jeffries on a franchise tag and might not be back next year. You gotta feed Jordan Howard. You gotta see what you've got out of that run game and him. uh, You know, going forward, you've got to see if he can be the centerpiece of your offense, and then how else you could build around him. The good thing about Jordan Howard this week is, yeah, Tampa Bay is a little bit tougher against the run than they are against the pass. But the thing is, you're getting Josh sitting back. You're getting Kyle Long back as, as your guards. So you know what they're what they should be able to do. Uh, sh- it should be improved on the ground game over a game when they missed both their starting guards against Minnesota, and he was still able to go off.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing that's so impressive about Jordan Howard is he gets lots and lots of yards after first contact. So. You know, when you add in Sitton and Long coming back in to stabilize the the middle of that line, and he likes to run up the middle, and he's also shown a pretty good burst for a big guy. You know, how many he's had a couple of big 30-yard-plus runs already on the season. So I I, I really do. I like Jordan Howard a lot in this game. But I really think that this is where Alshon Jeffrey uh, is going to have to make his claim for I want to be uh, paid uh, uh, very, very highly. It's a great incentive, I think, for him too to be able to watch one of the best young wide receivers in the game on the other side of the field, and Mike Evans. Um, so, as far as the auxiliary guys, as far as the Cameron Merediths, and as far as you know, I, I agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Marquise Wilson. But I don't. There's none of these other guys that I feel that confident starting, even though it's a great matchup.
2: Yeah, I I can't start any of these ancillary pieces. Eddie Royal coming back from injury, he's expected to be back. Wilson, how often is he involved on the outside? Maybe over a Cam Meredith who's been playing a ton of snaps. How does that affect him going forward? It could just be bad news for Cam Meredith going forward. And I bet he's been dropped in a lot of leagues after sort of his hot stretch. Uh, The the really only other weapon I'm starting outside of Howard and Alshon is is Zach Miller. Uh, we saw Hooper get open you know, multiple times. We saw a lot of, the, pretty much every single one of their tight ends was running wide open uh, up the seam against Tampa Bay last week for the Falcons. So I, I like the Zach Miller in this matchup. I think he could be a guy who's sort of an under-the-radar tight end, but who, who's just been producing all season long. He's a guy, you know, a starter for you, and he should remain one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Should absolutely remain a starter for you. Look, look. You also look at the familiarity that Jay Cutler has with with uh, with Zach Miller. So I think that's definitely a plus.
2: So let's hit up Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, you're starting Mike Evans right now. He's pretty much the best, most consistent wide receiver option for you in fantasy football. He's going to be a hard guy to stay away from against these Bears even though his price is getting very, very high up there. And uh, uh, he's getting high up there uh, in in salary, in DFS. It's going to be tough to slot him in lineups if you're also trying to play a David Johnson. Uh, But possible. You just got to be creative. Uh, Other than that, you know, these other weapons. Russell Shepard was out last week. He's missing practice. Um, other guys, you know, the Cameron Brate's going to be a consistent guy. I don't know if he's going to be a great play this week. The Bears are just have been trying to play that sort of muck it up, ball control type of offense, keep the play out of the other people's hands. We'll we'll, we'll see how this game turns out. But Cameron Brate's an interesting streaming tight end possibility.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing is, why I I know your trepidation there is because where's the Bears' strength? with their linebackers and a lot of their strength is with, with uh, the guys in the middle with Freeman and with Trevathan, they're able to do a good job covering those guys. So that's where it might be tough for Braid. You know, the other thing is like for me as a Jameis Winston guy, uh, seeing that hit that he took at the end of that game uh, on Thursday of last week freaked me out. Uh, but the good news is he said he was fine. He was uh, back practicing without a brace on, so everything seems to be full go for him. So that was that's a sigh of relief. And you know you still got to think that this is a good opportunity for him to score some points. I mean, you look at the Bears defense. You know, uh, you go back to yeah they beat Minnesota, but wow, could Minnesota have done some damage if they actually could have hit some of those deep passes where receivers were five yards beyond three Bear defenders in the, in the defensive backfield.
2: Yeah, uh, the rest of the players, I mean, it comes down to the backfield. Is it going to be more of Peyton Barber? Is it going to be, you know, Mike James, who is a starter for Doug Martin there for a little bit? Is it going to be a little bit of both, which is probably what I'm what I'm thinking it's going to be. I think Peyton Barber draws the start again. Uh, I think he's a flex play dart throw against the Bears. I don't really want to start him. I definitely don't want to start Mike James because I think he's a little bit less involved. I think it's maybe a 60-40 split. Uh, I don't really want to start either of these guys, but if in desperation I'm going with Barbara over Mike James... You know, the question is, they're saying Jaquiz Rogers is a long shot to play this week, still in a walking boot. Pretty much no news on Doug Martin, not back at practice, however. So Doug Martin could be out this week and potentially a couple more weeks. And that, and that's a little bit, you know, disconcerting uh, for, for fantasy owners there who are buying and expecting him to come back for a playoff stretch where they get the Saints twice because he, he's going to need a game or two To get right, to get back in the flow of the offense, get his conditioning back up. And that, you know, for a fat guy like Doug Martin, uh, yeah, I said he's fat. (laughs) (laughs) Fat little muscle hamster. I don't care. Have you seen him play this season? He's been slow. (laughs) I get to say what I want. Uh, (laughs) uh, Other than that, it's your dive, it's your dance floor. I'm not really on any of these Adam Humphreys or Cecil Shorts type guys against the Bears. I'm starting my studs and that's pretty much just Jameis Winston and uh, Mike Evans with maybe a potential play for a Cameron Brait.
1: See, I actually like Adam Humphreys over uh, Cameron Brait. I think that Humphreys is one of those guys that can kind of give the Bears fits because He's got more speed than Breit. He'd be more uh, a tougher matchup for either Freeman or Trevathan if they have to go out and cover him. And, again, with the Bears, uh, uh, the uh, the thing that I think where gives them the advantage, too, is that the Bears, with their secondary, they like to try to be hitters. And when they, you try to be hitters, you could hit and miss. And I think that kind of lends uh, to his ability for Humphreys to potentially have a nice game this week as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you ready for the next one? Sure. Let's go to... The Minnesota Vikings, are, who are in free fall right now, uh, traveled to Washington to take on the Redskins. So let's start with the what has been woeful over the past few weeks, uh, an offense that just cannot run the ball uh, with a passing game that has just been absolutely inconsistent, uh, an offensive line that has been faltering, and Sam Bradford is uh, having problems. Go ahead. Take it away.
2: The thing is, faltering is sort of an understatement of the year. I try to be nice. Let's try and hit up this backfield first. They turned it in a little bit last week into a three-headed monster. Ronnie Hillman got a lot more run than previous games. Uh, Matt Asiata was also involved. Jarek McKinnon, coming back from that ankle injury, they took it a little easy on him, only gave him limited carries, limited snaps. Uh, that three-headed monster is a non-playable monster. I mean, I guess you could make a speculative ad on Ronnie Hillman just in case something should change to where it's, it's just an injury to McKinnon to where they might hold him back uh, for a couple more weeks, let him get absolutely right, and then maybe Hillman could have a bigger flow in this offense. But they're averaging like 70 yards rushing a game. I want nothing to do with it. But we did see Pat Shermer make some changes to this offense. We saw more quick hitting pass plays. We saw more hurry-up. We saw more shotgun pass plays. We saw a lot of targets for Stefan Diggs. And they almost, you know, turned Stephon Diggs into, you know, a Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, to where he's all running entirely underneath routes and running those quick hitters where he can use his quickness and speed. And it it was good if you're in a PPR league, but if you're in a standard league, this is a guy with speed uh, who could take the top off of defense and provide some of those big plays. We need to really see if this is a trend that continues or if it's something that was just a one week wonder where they thought they needed to get the ball out that quick to a Stefan Diggs.
1: I think it's part and parcel to the fact that they just don't have the stability in the running game. So they've had to kind of use these short, quick little passes to Stephon Diggs to kind of supplement the fact that they don't have the ability to gain four yards on the ground. Um, that's that's the concerning part because, again, and if you don't have that consistency with the running game, then you're not able to actually get those big, over-the-top plays where you're going to get them to buy in on any type of a, of a of a double move. It has to be a double move because they're not going to bite on a play action because just, they just don't care about your running attack.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't respect that rushing attack. Uh, I, the only other guy outside of Stefan Diggs I'm looking to start is Kyle Rudolph. He's been consistent, getting targeted in the red zone. Uh, unfortunately only caught one pass last week, but just his upside at the position with those red zone targets and the fact that we've seen so many targets flow his way throughout the season makes him sort of a back end tight end one. But he's got a little bit more bust potential on a weekly basis than some of these other, you know, guys like a Zach Miller. Like who's more likely to put up a one catch five performance? Zach Miller, Kyle Rudolph?
1: Uh honestly it's Kyle Rudolph.
2: Yeah, but I don't I don't really want to talk about anybody else with Minnesota. We talked about their run game. We talked about Stephon Diggs. Uh, Sammy Biscuits. Sammy Bradford is a guy I have, I'm not looking forward to streaming against Washington. They've been good against the past. We've seen their sort of pass rush pick it up over the last couple weeks. And he, he just doesn't have any upside. He's like a he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, except not throwing interceptions.
1: Yeah, and I don't like it where you're going on the road. You're, you're basically on a team right now that just seems to have lost whatever mojo they had. So, no, I'm not buying into a team that's, that's on that downward trend right now. So let's, let's go ahead and flip the script and let's talk about the Redskins uh, who seem to be getting their stuff together.
2: Yeah, the Redskins looked good a couple weeks ago. They got their buy and it looks like they've settled that Rob Kelly needs to be the guy uh as their starting running back, you know, right now, unfortunately. We'll see if that continues over the long haul or if it's something that maybe they go Matt Jones and Rob Kelly splitting the early down work. Is this something that's consistent over the course of the rest of the season? or does it fluctuate on a weekly basis? But for this week, it looks like Rob Kelly's the guy you got to rank higher. He looks like he's going to get the start and maybe be in line for 15 or so carries with Chris Thompson doing some you know, of the third down work, all of the third down work, and some of the change of pace duties as a rusher. Uh, he's a guy that needs to be owned in PPR leagues because he's consistent out of the backfield. Matt Jones, I think he's entered the realm of droppable uh, but he's also a guy who should, should something happen to Rob Kelly, we know he's going to be in for a big workload as long as he holds on to the ball. Uh, the rest of these guys, I'm sort of very concerned about this matchup for a Deshaun Jackson. If he gets Rhodes closed, it's not going to be good for him. He should get manhandled, but maybe they give him Terrence Newman, put uh, Xavier Rhodes on a Pierre Garçon just because of the size, body type. Uh, type of players that they are. Terrence Newman, even at his advanced age, is more of that speed corner who can keep up with a Deshaun Jackson. Jamison Crowder's the real guy, you know, going up against you know potential slot coverage linebackers. He's the the receiver I like most, uh, besides Jordan Reed. But I don't want any of these. I don't really. I don't. I, I limit the upside against Minnesota because I think Minnesota. Ha- with no left tackle, with Terrence Williams now suspended for four games, and-, and we'll see how that, you know, the stability at the offensive line. We can see if that remains after sort of a four-game suspension for Trent Williams, there, you know, sort of star left tackle.
1: Yeah, I-, I I agree with you. I look at the the entire offense there again with the way the Minnesota's been playing. I still I- I'm. I'm- cautiously optimistic with uh, a Kirk Cousins. Uh, the guys that I really like, I do like Jamison Crowder and I do like Jordan Reed. You know, when you're talking about guys like a, uh, uh, make Chad Greenway have to get out in coverage. Chad Greenway was a great linebacker. He is a great linebacker, but he's older. He just doesn't have the speed anymore. You know, he's at the end of his career. You got to take advantage of that. Um, <clears throat> outside of Rhodes and Harrison Smith, you know, they have guys that can get beat out there. So that's where I think that you can take the advantage. So I agree with you um, that just running back situation. I'm just I'm really just not a fan of what they got going on there with uh, for Matt Jones. That that guy, uh, I was never a big fan and I'm just becoming less and less of a fan or or more and more of a hater. How about that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's hard not to be right now with all the news coming out towards him. But yeah, Jordan Reed's going to be a very solid play, as he always is. Just Minnesota can defend the tight end. Uh, They've shown glimpses of great defense for the tight end position. So we'll see if they are able to lock down a Jordan Reed. I'm not putting my money on Minnesota stopping that guy. Uh, Kirk Cousins... You know, I'd still like Minnesota's defense. I just don't know if they're as dominant as they have been early in the season or as bad as they looked against the Chicago Bears.
1: So, or is this going to be one of those games because, you know, Kirk Cousins and and uh, uh, can be prone to having one of those just guffaw games. Uh, is this one of those ones where maybe this is uh, where Minnesota's defense can kind of right their ship, uh, you know, with maybe a fumble or uh, an interception or two?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. The thing is, uh, home teams coming off of buys are 8-1 and one this season with the only loss being San Francisco. And we just know that San Francisco is not a very good football team. So I'm going to throw them out of my sample.
1: <laughs> All right. you got. Uh, I, I don't have anything else to add on this one, or uh, are we ready to move on to the next game? So yeah. before we do that, though, let's go ahead. Let's uh, keep those sponsors happy. And, uh, and keep uh, paying those bills. All right. So we have the final uh, early game this week, uh, which features the Green Bay Packers at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Packers, which was once a vaunted offense uh, with power and number fantasy players up and down the lineup. Uh, it has not been the same uh, glory You look at an Aaron Rodgers and we're just not seeing any of those big game productions Uh, still was projected as a top. Some some, uh, uh, people had him as the top quarterback uh, going into the season and he's just not giving you the numbers is this matchup against a defense in Tennessee that we always talk about just for whatever reason, it just kind of mucks things up the way that they play and no one really has big games. Is this going to be another, a vague game for, uh, for an Aaron Rodgers?
2: I mean, I think this could be another, you know, slightly... I mean, I think he'll be good, not great. Uh, but, you know, I think with no running game, we know what they're going to have to do. Could they get a James Starks back this weekend and maybe make a little bit of a difference? Could they get a guy like Ty Montgomery back healthier on more on more snaps to where they can give him the ball more? Uh, the thing is, with Ty Montgomery, they said, you know, he's on a snap count, but they told Ty Montgomery nothing about this said snap count. So that's that's an interesting story, sort of going down there. Um, we'll see if Starks is able to get back. That might change, you know, how we think of this offense, because if not, they're just going to have to throw the ball a ton.
1: Well, the other thing that was interesting that came out of last week it was, I think, it was a statement can't remember who I heard it uh, from. I think I heard it in a, a radio interview with Mike Florio. Um, I think he was saying that Aaron Rodgers had kind of called out Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, in the game, you know, McCarthy saying ahead of time that it was like the best week of practice that they had. And uh, basically, uh, Rodgers kind of contradicting that and basically saying that, you know, we need to, we, not everyone's got their head in the game. So, um, you lose a couple – now how many games have they lost this year already at Lambeau? So they had that, that run where they had a stretch. that was four games in a row they just had at home, and now they're going on the road, and they just got beat by a division foe. They are not in the driver's seat. I think they're sitting in third position right now. I, I think you're right the way that this game is going to turn out. I just wanted to bring in these other factors into it because it's – there's a lot going on there where the just external pressures, and you don't really think of like – You know, Green Bay is always such a media-friendly town. It's like everyone in the whole state just loves their Packers. But there's starting to be a lot of questions being asked. And, you know, can these receivers really get any separation and really allow Rodgers to to have the ability to to be a big scorer? And the way it looks right now, no. I mean, because Jordy Nelson is not the same guy that he was pre-injury.
2: Yeah, I mean – Jordy Nelson was open a lot more than uh, Aaron Rodgers was able to hit him. It just looks like something's missing, or and I, I can't put my finger on it. It could be that vertical element still. I mean, we've seen Jordy run those post patterns. He was open on a few of them to where Aaron Rodgers missed. Uh, I still really like Jordy. i just tempering my expectations. Uh, treating him more like a wide receiver 2 with with some upside rather than a locked in weekly wide receiver 1. Randall Cobb didn't really play in the first half, didn't see a single snap. Was only out there in emergencies and then the emergency was, "Hey, we're getting woofed by the Colts here. Let's get Randall Cobb, let's get Randall Cobb back out here." So Cobb came in second half, scored a touchdown, uh sort of salvaged his day if he decided to play the guy. I I totally thought he was going to be, you know, an active player, air quotes, to where he might not see a snap or only sees a snap or two. But pressed into service, we saw, you know, Devontae Adams really struggled to get open there, Ty Montgomery being on that snap count, but, you know. Adams did salvage his day with a touchdown and what a 30, 40 yard catch, uh, besides that. So he ended up with a fairly nice day, nothing to write home about, you know, for you DFS players, but, you know, it's a pretty good game. He's been targeted in seven, seven times a game for, you know, pretty much all season long. So I think he's a wide receiver three, Cobbs a two. And depending on what position you have to treat Ty Montgomery at, because Yahoo made the decision today to add running back eligibility to him, you know, what, you know, he's a wide receiver three type flex play.
1: Yeah. You know, that that's just the kind of the, the situation that you have now with, uh, with the Packers where most of these guys used to be, you know, the, these wide receiver ones, right? Remember it was Randall Cobb and, uh, and Jordy Nelson were, were both top 10 fantasy wide receivers and, and the issue that they have for, for them right now. And I think Jordy is probably one of the only ones that still has the potential for it is the ability for those 150 plus yard games. Now the problem is it's just, we just haven't seen the consistency in that passing game. And again, this isn't one of those games that lines up for me to believe that that's going to happen for, for Jordy this week either.
2: I mean, they should be able to pass uh, on the Titans. We've seen teams do it in the past, but the thing the thing is, you have to sort of control the ball against them, or they will just run it with a healthy Demarco. You know, run the quick passes with a Mariota and do that ball control type of offense.
1: Yeah, all I was saying is that I, I, they can have decent games, but I just don't see anyone here having that. I'm going to win you your your weak type of a game with the way the Packers are right now.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's hit up the other side. Let's hit up Tennessee. Let's hit up Marcus Mariota, who's been playing out of his ass. Uh, he's playing a lot better when they don't ask him to run designed speed option plays to where to the short side of the field, where he has to make a pitch decision and fumbles. Uh, so hopefully they take that one out of the playbook here a little bit, run more of the zone read type actions to let him get on an edge by himself rather than bringing a whole defense with him to the same side. Uh, mariota has been playing lights out recently. He might throw a pick. He's he's likely to give you a turnover a game though, a turnover maybe two a game, but he is going to overcome those and put up big fantasy points. And against Green Bay, you know, the the prime opportunity of, hey, if they could stop their run game, Marcus Mariota might have to go to the air. We shall see. Uh, I'm liking DeMarco Murray with, you know, Derek Henry potentially out with that calf strain. Uh, MRI revealed they said it could be out a couple weeks. We'll see what the official report ends up being there uh, for the wide receivers. You know, Rashard Matthews is the guy. He's got five touchdowns over the last five weeks. Tajay Sharp finally got involved catching some passes. And we saw Kendall Wright, you know, make some plays down the field, but also make some boneheaded mistakes. Um, and that could be the main reason why he's not out there on the field. Uh, surprise in, uh, Surprise! active it was sort of Delaney Walker. We thought he might be inactive. He got back on the field, scored a touchdown, and you know, caught a pass for twenty yards, and he seems to do that you know once a game.
1: And even in his uh, beleaguered state, was still the second uh, most targeted player for the Titans. He got nine targets in that game. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, Matthews has had his little run, uh, but at the same time, when you uh, when I look at them as a whole, it, it's it's kind of always hit or miss. But I think that you might have a good chance for Matthews this week. You know, the the Packers uh you know allowed uh some success with uh the the Colts uh last week so there's there's good opportunities here for now now pick it though you know it, the, the problem is is that so it's, Tajay Sharp was finally got back up on the uh, on a target train where Kendall Wright made a couple big plays but he was still pretty much the fourth option in the passing game actually fifth option because you got to figure DeMarco Murray who also had a, a boatload of targets, so I'll, I'll take Richard Matthews right now. He's the guy that Mariota has the the, the chemistry with. Uh, he's the guy that I, I would probably definitely start as a, either my flex or wide receiver three, uh, and feel pretty good about it. Um, and I'm definitely going to start Delaney Walker, but the other guys, the the Kendall Wrights, the Tajay Sharps, I'm not. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not there yet to be able to put him in my lineup this week.
2: Yeah, I think Rashard Matthews, Kendall Wright, uh, not Kendall Wright, excuse me, Delaney Walker, DeMarco Murray, and Marcus Mariota are the guys you want to consider playing with Rashard Matthews being the guy most on the border. He's the flex-type player, and that touchdown upside over the last couple weeks has been great. He scored two of them last week, so you know I like Rashard Matthews going up against Green Bay, who's beat up a corner. Other than that, staying away from guys like Kendall Wright, staying away from guys like Tajay Sharp, because it's going to be one one or the other. Uh, we don't know exactly who's going to be the main proponent uh, on a weekly basis. So it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see on a weekly basis who's the guy that performs.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think we're – I got nothing else on the Titans. So let's go ahead and let's move on to our first of only three afternoon games. Yes, Houdini is upset. Three afternoon games. Come on, NFL. Give me at least four. Fill that quad box. We got probably the second best uh, running back game of the week. And the best one will be coming up uh, as the last of the afternoon games. But Miami and San Diego, J.H.I., versus Melvin Gordon who wins the battle
2: let's I I don't know who wins the running back battle I I think they're both going to be very successful against each other's defenses so I like Ajay Uh, you know if you picked him up I think he's now a top 12 running back on a weekly basis this is a good matchup for Ajay let's talk about the other pieces of the puzzle Dominique Jones caught a touchdown pass from the tight end position. Marquise Gray caught some passes out there. Let's just eliminate their tight ends from fantasy consideration for right now. So let's move on to the wide receivers and how that affects the
1: quarterback. Jarvis Landry, another subpar game. Hold on, though. But what did Jarvis Landry do? He attempted a pass last week. Yep, I called it. I told you you that. It was it also was all them going off. Well, well, I did. He didn't go off. But yeah. <laughs> the pass was still impressive. Uh he and he did the smart thing too, which most uh re, you know receivers when they get the chance to throw, there was nothing open and he just absolutely just grounded the ball away and did the smart thing instead of trying to force it in there. So, yeah. all right, and and then
2: and then went out there and yelled at his uh tight end Basically, hey, man, you ran the wrong route, man. I'm trying to complete my pass. Well, why aren't you running the right route? You should have been open. Like, what are you doing out here? And he, he's just mouthed it off to this guy because he wanted that completion, which, which is all fine and dandy. But, uh, yeah, Jarvis Landry just hasn't been getting that boatload of targets. And we've seen that. They want to commit to the run game behind Jai, and that's affecting the overall volume of the pass game. And then when they do attempt passes, they're just spreading the ball around so much that Jarvis Landry isn't being, you know, heavily targeted. I, you know, he's a wide receiver three for me from now on, but against San Diego where they can put up points, I, I expect him to, you know, have a little bit of a rebound.
1: Yeah, and the problem that you get with Landry is just that you're not getting the touchdowns, you know, and that's been the the same story for him ever since he's come into the league. He's just not that guy that's a dominant red zone or 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 any situation where he's just taking things to the house. So, um, well, let's talk about some of the other receivers there because I, I'm not been thrilled with Devontae Parker either. You know, here's a guy that just has not been able to to really take take that next step. Um, you know, you, you look at, at, at his performance, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I sit here and I go, wow, okay, really two catches for eight yards. Um, you know, and this was against a jet defense that had been horrible. So, you know, talk about not being able to take advantage of, of the situation. I don't know what the deal is, but obviously all the rumblings with Ryan Tannehill, uh from the from early on uh them saying that no Tannehill's our quarterback you know we're not looking for another replacement i i I think that all the upward trends that he had showed early in his career have completely stalled out and he's a plateaued quarterback that this is pretty much what you're getting from him he's not having the ability to take any of these guys to another level and he's got good talent around him and a good system with a running back that's running the ball well
2: Yeah, I'm just not on any of these other receivers. Like one week it could be Kenny Stills, one week it could be Devontae Parker. They're sort of using them in interchangeable roles of being that downfield pass catcher. But they're just also not attempting that downfield pass like they haven't in the past. So I'm avoiding those guys. I think they're both droppable uh, if you haven't already. Uh, I'd move on and find other options from teams that are just going to throw it more because this looks like a team that is going to be heavily committed to the run game and then, you know, run those quick slants right off the play action pass to a Jarvis Landry.
1: Yeah, I I agree. You got to bail on these guys. Think about it this way too. Even before they had uh, this run game that was so strong that they were able to put everything behind last year when they had Lamar Miller and, you know, maybe they would be running early in the, in the beginning of the game, and then it would be a lot more passing you still got with these Miami wide receivers a lot of goose egg weeks or just a lot of just craptastic weeks. So, you know, it, it just comes with it. It's, it's – they're, they're pretty damn hit or miss, and unfortunately too many, too many misses, not enough hits.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think we've hit up all these Dolphins. Let's flip on over to the other side, hit up the San Diego Chargers who are right now one of the more exciting teams to watch in football.
1: I love him. I, I love what that's going on. I, I've always been a Philip Rivers fan. Um, you know, gritty just the way that he plays. The thing that has been amazing is the uh, progression and transformation into Dominator by Melvin Gordon. Uh, the, the, the way that he has just leaps and bounds so much better than he was a year ago at this time where he was basically not understanding how to hit a hole uh wasn't being wasn't showing any of the speed he's showing you everything right now and and in this matchup this is one of those ones where I look at it look Matt Forte had a good day against the Miami defense I, I there is no reason for me to believe that it's not going to be as good if not a better day and this is one of those ones that could just be the the Melvin light show and I you know. Uh, melvin's electric light orchestra I don't, I don't know i don't know i don't know i'm going somewhere with that but i need d-rex there to help me out
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I can understand that i'm not on that level uh melvin gordon weekly <coughs> starter i mean that's that's all you gotta say stop asking if you should start him uh versus some other guy just start melvin gordon it'll be good for you I mean, even if he's not scoring touchdowns, he's catching passes, he's getting the volume, and it's just the consistency on a weekly basis is is great for a guy you got in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of your draft. So
1: uh, let's move on. <coughs> yeah, let's move so on. Let's, move on. let's move on to the wide receivers. and Let's start with the guy that uh, you had talked about, especially said, here's the, 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 the player that you need to target for the uh, the way that his strength of schedule is going down the end of the season. Uh, he had a little bit of the knee thing. He played last week, and he scored big fantasy points. It's Tyrell Williams. This guy has just been phenomenal. Uh, you know, when you're looking at at who has become basically the main go-to option at the receiver position, it's him.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tyrell the gazelle, he is You know, Travis Benjamin, potentially they're talking about holding him out this week with their bye week coming up next. He was seen a lot just standing on the sidelines, not doing much, holding his helmet uh, for a majority of that game. So even if he's active, expect Tyrell and Dontrell Inman to be the main targets uh, on the outside of the passing game. The rest of the guys, Antonio Gates, Antonio Gates gets a big bump up if Hunter Henry is out uh, again. But they're saying he could be back this week. I sort of expect him to be back this week. But I sort of like both of these tight ends against Miami. Their linebackers are atrocious there. I don't see anybody who can guard Gates in the short field or you know Hunter Henry down the seam. I sort of really like the way this game shapes up at home for San Diego. I like Phillip Rivers. I mean, I pretty much like everybody here, but the problem I have is if Miami just gets into this sort of ball control offense, keeping it away again and just suppressing the number of plays. Um, Overall, I'm... I I like all these Chargers.
1: Yeah, you know that that thing that you brought up about the ball control thing could be the ultimate fear, right? Because it goes both ways. The Chargers do the same thing, you know, where they'll have long drives unless it's you know Melvin Gordon bust one off or whatever. You, we haven't seen as many of the big breakout plays. They they also will grind some things out, so there could be you know one of those weird games where you have in the first quarter, you know, basically. Three possessions total uh, that have gone in the game, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and and that's where it's like if they do both lean on the run, uh, it just limits the opportunities for the passers. But it also, I think, for the San Diego side, I really like the opportunity for some play action. Take a couple shots now. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, you know, and I would imagine that would be if, if Benjamin's out, that that would be Tyrell Williams who they'll take those shots with for the most part. All right, so before we get to the final two afternoon games, let's go ahead and listen to this. All right, so the second of our afternoon, uh, plat, uh, what do you call it, uh, plate of, of three games, uh, a trio, the middle, it's the 49ers who are going to get stomped on by David Johnson. In Arizona to face the Cardinals. So the good news is the 49ers uh, did put up almost 500 yards of total offense last week. Uh, The bad news for them this week is that they're playing the Cardinals and not the Saints again. So I don't know where you want to start with this uh, belief in Kaepernick. Uh, I have none. I don't really have any faith in and any of the things that let me, let me just say my blurb about San Francisco, and then you can pick up the pieces. So, uh, you know, was it Dwan Harris got the start? Uh, unimpressive. Had a fumble. Um, you had. He was
2: very impressive, man.
1: Well, okay, semi-impressive. Semi-impressive. Okay, you know, again, what bar are we holding these guys up to? So. Um, But the other guy that that had the the, the big explosion, Quinton Patton, you look at all the receivers that you have in in San Francisco, you cannot trust any of them. If you want to tell me Quinton Patton uh, is going to be able to do something like this again, he hadn't had a game with more than 25 receiving yards on the year and only had two games that were over 20 yards before that one. So I'm not buying into anything there. Again, that was the Saints. You know, we see the flashes of the Vance McDonald, uh, but that's all they are. You know, for the most part, I just, I'm staying away from anything San Francisco.
2: I'm on board with staying away from anything San Francisco a little bit. Carlos Hyde wearing a non-contact jersey again today at practice. We'll see if he's able to get back out there. It was sort of a surprise inactive after many people thought he would be back in the lineup early in the week. We'll see if he's able to get right, get tight, uh, play against this Arizona team, which he's had some success against in his career. Let's remember that Colin Kaepernick, Arizona always struggles with the running quarterback types. They give up yardage. So this could be a game where Colin Kaepernick rushes between 70 and 100 yards, gives you a big day on the ground, but throws for maybe 150 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. So I think he's an interesting streaming candidate. If he could protect the ball against this Arizona team, he'll be in a lot better position. But I, I just don't see a way that San Francisco can come out ahead against Arizona, even though they've been dog crap this season. Uh, at wide receiver, we talked about how the Saints funnel targets to their wide receiver threes to the slot guys. So you know that was something sort of predictable out of Quentin Patton. It's something Pyrolytics has been pushing. You know, target wide receiver threes against your the Saints, and you usually get very good results. So that that's sort of why that happened. I see that going away. Vance McDonald is sort of a one play wonder on a weekly basis when healthy. Uh, you look at his top positional weeks though, and he he's up there putting up three or four of them of the six games he's played. So the, those big plays are coming, you know, on a regular basis, and it's sort of, you know, but. Yeah, you can't start a guy with you know four targets, three targets, two targets on a weekly basis, and that's the concerning part there. But the San Francisco defense is atrocious. David Johnson is going to eat. Uh, he is going to you know take them to the woodshed. I think the last time they played, he scored over thirty-five uh, PPR fantasy points. So expect a big game out of David Johnson. He is going to be you know highly owned in DFS. He's going to be in everybody's cash game lineup. He's going to be, you know, he's definitely in everybody's redraft lineup. Just play the guy. Don't worry about it. Let's talk about Carson Palmer and the receivers. J.J. Nelson is expected to be a a starting wide receiver for them now over a Michael Floyd. We saw how that sort of played out with uh, Michael Floyd uh, active with air quotes but didn't really play uh, a couple weeks ago before the bye. Other than that, John Brown, we'll see if he's any healthier. But, yeah, I like the matchup for Larry Fitzgerald. You could target the slot corner in San Francisco this season. So I like Larry. I pretty much – if you want to start any Cardinal, it's an absolute good play.
1: Yeah, again, you know, this is one of those ones where you have to look for the matchups. And what the matchup is telling you, it's it's play against the 49ers. This is a team that gives up so many yards that – you know, you have you. These are the those games where you just have to single them out. So the, again, if I'm looking in the DFS, this is a, one of those games where you want to look and see where the values are. I think it's without a doubt that you have to go uh, David Johnson as your as your pillar play for DFS. I think that he has to be pretty much in uh, your lineup. You don't want to miss out on what type of a game that he is, is has the potential to have. Uh, but no, I'm I'm with you, Stags if it comes down to have to play any of these wide receivers, I'm feeling good about it. I'm absolutely feeling good about it. Would I start Fells? No.
2: Yeah. Just start any of the wide receivers you want, except for probably Michael Floyd. It just looks like he's been demoted. Don't start the tight ends, but start the other three wide receivers. You should be able to get nice games. Start a Carson Palmer. Uh, let's hit up the next game.
1: So, I hinted to it earlier when we were talking just briefly before about the Dolphins and the Chargers as being the second best game for running back matchups. Well, here's your highlight, and it's uh old Super Bowl matchup. You got the Cowboys at the Steelers. So we got Zeke and Le'Veon Bell. This is a game that of these, you know, I, I'm gonna basically have an eye on, on David Johnson just like a stat tracker. I'm not really going to need to watch it because I know it's just going to happen. I'm really going to be watching the Cowboys-Steelers and the Dolphins-Chargers. I, I, I'm intrigued by these two games in the afternoon, which makes me okay with the three games this week. So let's start with the yeah. Cowboys, and let's start with the, 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 the man-child, Zeke. I'm much more excited to watch
2: the afternoon games than any of the noon games. And it was sort of like that a little bit last week as well. They've sort of just throw all the crap on at noon, you know, watch red zone. You'll be happy. You know, they're just, they are painting that poo gold. What do we keep saying the last couple weeks? But uh, yeah. Zeke against Pittsburgh, like them. Le'Veon Bell against Dallas, like them. Let's just knock those things out of the park right now. Uh, Dallas with their style of offense, you know, it could be tough for Pittsburgh to run a lot of plays, but You know, Dallas on the road after sort of a big start to the season. Can they keep it up against a team that plays better at home that sort of just sort of has been pretty dominant at home so far this season? I I like Dak Prescott, though. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback again. He he doesn't turn the ball over. He throws for over 200 yards every game. He's going to rush sometimes and even score some rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think he's more likely to score a rushing touchdown than he is to rush for like 30 or 40 yards in a game though. So far this season, which is a little bit surprising to me. So I wonder if later in the season when they're trying to lock up a big playoff spot or in the playoffs to where they, you know, incorporate more of that zone read. But the thing is Jerry Jones is being a dick and keeps talking about, you know, Tony Romo on a weekly basis. Like, just shut up and let the guy disappear. Uh, yeah. That that's, But he keeps bringing him up, and he's like, oh, he's not healthy enough yet. And, but it, it's usually that reporters have stopped sort of asking about him, and now he's the guy just bringing Tony Romo up on a weekly basis.
1: Uh, Des
2: Bryant, that's where my concerns are. What do you think about Des?
1: Yeah, well, you know, again, you, you look into this whole thing with what Dak does, and Dak just seems to also kind of be a smarter quarterback. He's just not going to force feed Des Bryant just because he's Des Bryant. And you know that's one of those things. As a as a Des Bryant owner, you were, you kind of were looking at it and go, "Oh, well, if I get the rookie uh, quarterback, shouldn't I then expect to get this this lion's share of of all the targets?" And here's Des last week targeted four times. So it it it, it tells you to the to the you know ability of Dak Prescott that. He is making reads and he's going to hit the the options that are better. Look, he tried Dez 4 times and they only completed one pass. Then he throws 10 passes Witten's way, completes 8 of them. Now Witten had been not existed in this offense for for how many weeks? So, you know, this is one of those ones though I think that Des could have some success against this Pittsburgh defense. Um, you know, but yeah,
2: Des if, should have success against this defense. Colby, like everybody should have success event against this defense. You're not really worried about Pittsburgh on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Dallas should be able to do whatever they want, as long as they can sort of carry the momentum that they've had so far in these, you know, first eight games of their season over on the road in a hostile environment environment like
1: Pittsburgh. Yeah. But the thing is, when you're asking about for Des is that this could be one of those ones where Des breaks out. But, but the other fact of the matter is this, if you have Des, you got to play him, you know. This is this is the situation, and uh, you know, it, it it sucks that you know you, you have to go off of what we've seen, and what we've seen is that Dez and Dak are just not necessarily on the same page. So, and the, it, but at the same time, eventually that's going to change. You know, they're they've, they're winning all these games in a row. Ezekiel has been fantastic, but in order for them to be super productive in the playoffs, you need Dez to have monster-type performances where defenses then have to completely game plan for two, you know, it's not just Dak and Zeke, now it's Dak, Zeke, and Dez. And now we are a nightmare to game plan for
2: Yep, and now it's Dak, Zeke, Des, Cole Beasley, Jason Witten after his huge performance last week. Uh, I expect Jason Witten to come back down to earth. That was an awesome sort of tight end matchup for him. Pittsburgh is not a, a dream matchup for him. Cole Beasley, you know, he looks like the clear number two wide receiver on that team. Uh, Dak Prescott loves him. He, he seems to be open constantly. So I, I really like Cole Beasley on a weekly basis now. I'm just scared about his touchdown upside. He's done it here a few weeks uh, out of the last few to where he scored some touchdowns. Hasn't really been a big part of his game previously in his career. We'll see if he can keep it up. But, yeah, I like Cole Beasley as a wide receiver three flex play, uh, especially in PPR leagues where you get those bonus for all those short catches he's bound to make. But, yeah, I think that's all we got Uh, on Dallas. Let's flip over to the Pittsburgh side of the ball.
1: So we got uh, Big Ben, who... Came back from injury and made everyone in Pittsburgh go. Ugh. I mean, you got him close there. He had to shake the rust off. It took a little while. Uh, in this matchup, though, with uh, with with Dallas, you know, he should he should be able to 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 do a lot better. I, I'm I'm gonna say that you know, look, he's still even on a bad day for Ben through for 264 yards with a touchdown and a pick. You know, this is probably going to be easily he'll throw for 300 yards. You're going to see Le'Veon Bell doing probably about, what, about 14 to 15 uh, carries, and he's going to probably get about uh, 10 to 12 targets in the passing game in this one. Uh, You know, Eli Rogers, are are, are you going to buy into the Eli Rogers thing because now we have where Sammy Coates um, is is basically – what happened to him because he, he had the same type of situation where it's just no chemistry on there. five targets last week, no catches. So Antonio is going to be back to Antonio. Now that you have big Ben back for another week, he'll be able to victimize. I don't know if Barry church is going to be back for this game. Um, If Barry church is out, I really like what Antonio Brown uh, can can do to terrorize them. Um, And, and again, then, I, the ancillary guys there. I'm not starting a Jesse James. I'm not bought into the Eli Rogers. I can't start Sammy Coates right now, so it's basically just a three-headed monster for me where I'm going to go uh I'll play Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown. So you're starting the Killer Bees. Yes, right. Uh,
2: yeah. I I just don't know about Sammy Coates on a weekly basis. He's going to be a hit or miss guy. I'm just worried about the overall number of plays that this offense is going to run. Dallas's ball control style uh, has them as one of the teams that opponents run the fewest plays against. And if you're going to throw it 20 times, uh, 30 times a game, which they should, they should be throwing it 40 times a game with their weapons. But if you're only going to throw it 30 times a game and, and run at 20, cause you're only allowed, you're only getting 50 plays off against Dallas. You know How is there going to be giant success for all these other guys when we know a lot of the targets are going to go to Le'Veon Bell and to Antonio Brown? So I'm with you. I'm sort of off of all those guys this week. Uh, but again, as always, Sammy Coates is one of those interesting contrarian dart throws in DFS for his price to where... All you need is that one long touchdown catch, and he can return value for you. And we know how Dallas has beat up at cornerback over the last couple weeks, beat up at safety over the last couple weeks. So their passing game has a chance to get right. But uh, Big Ben just needs to play better after that performance last week because he was downright awful for most of that game. You know, just watching it was painful to watch to where you thought the team almost needed to go back to Jarvis uh, Landry Jones for a while there. I was like, come on, man, you got to put the backup back in. This dude looks, he looks hurt. Like it was bad news for a
1: while. Yeah. But you know, another week you trust that guy. The guy's a warrior. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be as worried. Now, if he does that again this week, then, then we got problems.
2: Yeah, let's uh let's take a little break here before we get on to the last game. Let's listen to this. Let's get on to these last two games now. Let's talk about uh, Seattle versus New England on Sunday night football, a matchup of a couple years ago, Super Bowl. Uh, Now New England will get the home field advantage, and they've also sort of got the advantage because they're coming off a bye week. Seattle is coming off a Monday night game that was hard fought. Uh, We'll see if this – I mean, it looks like the betting line here is definitely skewed in the Patriots' favor so far.
1: Well, you gave the stat earlier, I do believe, that uh, uh, teams that are playing at home coming off of a bye week uh, had won every game uh, eight eight wins except for one, and that was San Francisco. So you have Bill Belichick being able to game plan for this one. But I'll tell you what, Seattle gave him a lot more things to think about uh, heading into this game. So the Jimmy Graham show, can we say I have one hand and that's all I need <laughs> two times? That was those were those two catches. I I got to tell you, dude, were, were amazing. Uh, blew my mind. Uh, he was perfect. Eight targets, eight receptions, got 103 yards, and those two one-handed touchdown catches. Uh, it's basically when you look at the power of this team, it's with Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson right now, and Wilson finally starting to come back around a little bit. It had a rushing touchdown as well. Where I'm. Think now has become kind of a mishmash. Though is what the heck is going on with the running attack? Because Christine Michael uh, had the five rushing attempts for one yard, got a touchdown, um, and then you got CJ Proslice who's getting you know in, in, input more into this offense. Uh, but then we also saw Tyler Lockett uh, getting used as, 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 uh, for a, a run as well. I mean, they're, they're trying to figure out where their consistency is. I think that they Christine Michael's show has is, is uh, kind of lost some of the luster that it had uh, the shine that was on it earlier in the season.
2: Yeah. I mean, Christine Michael hasn't been playing well. He did score a touchdown there, uh, you know, in that game from the one yard line after uh, what Doug Baldwin got a long pass interference penalty. So yeah, I expect him to be the goal line back when they get down there. Uh, Unfortunately, Besides last night, I don't have a lot of faith in this offense. We'll see if this is something that's going to be a trend that continues going forward. Is Russell Wilson completely healthy? He looked healthier last night, but I'm not going to say he's back to, you know, 100% to where he's going to go on another second half run and just destroy NFL teams because that's what he's seemingly done in the second half of his career, uh, the second half of his seasons in his career. So, I want to see it one more time, and I think the Patriots are a team that are going to be a tough test for them, with all the sort of obstacles that are in, uh, you know, their in the way of Seattle.
1: Yeah, I, the the only thing I, I look at is we're finally starting to see the Jimmy Graham effect of what the reason why they made that trade, and now how interesting is it that we'll get to see him again uh, from a Monday night to a Sunday night. In a matchup against the guy who it was, which one of these two is going to be the greatest tight end? And now it's, we all know it's Gronk. So I don't know. Do you have anything else on Seattle or should we move over to uh, New England?
2: Yeah, uh, let's, I mean, I, Jimmy Graham's a must start. I think Christine Michael and, you know, CJ ProSice are now uh, more likely you know, splitting carries until Thomas Rawls is back. They already said Thomas Rawls is going to be out for this game. So I don't know about there. Russell Wilson, I think he's another back end wide receiver one, or running back one, uh, quarterback one. Let's try that on the fourth time. Let's try that try to get that right the third time. Um, But yeah, I like, Russell Wilson is a back-end QB1. I think he'll be able to do some things against this New England defense. But I I think New England, with a lot of time, it's going to be tough for them. Doug Baldwin, I I like him and his ability to move around the formation, play out of the slot, avoid a lot of the tough coverage uh, of the Patriots. So... I like a Doug Baldwin. All their other pieces, though, I'm going to shy away from, and I'm probably going to shy away from Christine Michael and CJ ProSize if I can afford it.
1: Yeah, I, I, the, the, the fact is now that they're working ProSize in, um, you might get one of those big play hits from ProSize, but it, it really hurts the the, uh, the Michael output.
2: Yeah, let's uh, flip over to New England. Uh, I like Tom Brady with the weak arrest going up against Seattle, where they're likely to just abandon the run game. Uh, I think this could be a game where Brady throws it 50, 55, 60 times if he needs to. And Garrett Blount is completely phased out. They go with more James White or maybe even a Deion Lewis, should he be back in the lineup. Uh, I definitely... You know, want to start a Julian Edelman. We saw what he was able to do in in their uh, Super Bowl game a couple years ago where they used that quick passing game uh, to him to sort of be the difference maker. The rest of the guys, Chris Hogan, I'm sort of not going to be on Chris Hogan this week, uh, who's more likely to see outside coverage from maybe a Richard Sherman or, you know, safety over the top. It it looks like Cam Chancellor is going to be back from his groin injury. So that could be a little bit tough for sledding for a guy like Rob Gronkowski, but Gronk's a start. I'm just probably not going to play the other side of the coin and play Martellus Bennett. And that's sort of my thoughts on it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, I agree. I'm I'm uh, I'm fading hard on uh Blount. Blunt. I am never going to question Tom Brady whatsoever, so I will play him in any matchup. I love the fact that this game is in New England. Uh I think that gives the added advantage. Again, Seattle's defense is not the Seattle's de- Seattle defense that it was two or three years ago. So, yeah, you still got some of those players there, but they're not generating that ridiculous pass rush that that makes me worried uh, that Tom Brady's not going to have time to be able to get the ball off. It's not like he got Avon Miller out there coming around the corner. So, I I, I like Tom Brady. Um, I agree, James White might be the better play, but I, I just. I don't like James White. I just don't feel comfortable playing him at any point in time. So I'm, I'm going to just avoid basically uh, the running backs on New England. Uh, with the wide receivers, yeah, I, this is one of those stronger ones for Edelman. I agree it doesn't look good for Hogan because he's probably going to see a lot of Sherman out there. Uh, Gronk is going to dominate. This is going to be one especially with Jimmy on the other side. You know, This is just kind of one of those – I'm going to make a statement, Brady-type games, and he's going to probably throw it and complete it to about five or six different receivers before it's all said and done. Yeah. What do you think about hitting up this uh, Monday night game and then uh, getting out of here? I think that sounds good, and then uh, we can go and see what's happening in the election. huh? So we got the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're going to New York where both Hillary and Trump are right now. I guess the first time ever that both candidates uh, uh, from both parties had chosen the same city to have their either uh, conciliatory or victory uh, party. So let's end it in New York with everybody else.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's start with C- Cincinnati though, coming off a bye week. Except they are the uh away team uh, in this one. Uh, they are traveling to the uh what New Metalands, I, th- I believe it is. Uh, you were there, you would know better than I. Uh, so Cincinnati, I like Andy. I like Andy Dalton. You know, going up against the Giants. I like AJ Green every single week. I like Tyler Eifert. But I think this is a game that skews a little bit more towards being pass heavy, being a Gio Bernard type game and uh, sort of maybe, you know, being a tough time for Jeremy Hill to get going. And the only thing he could really do in a game where it's tough for him to get going is score one of those vulture touchdowns, which he seems to do, you know, more regularly, you know, as of late than early in the season. Um, the rest of these players, I'm avoiding Brandon LaFell, uh, since, you know, Tyler Eifert's been back in the lineup and involved, we've seen his targets, you know, sort of steadily decrease over the last couple weeks. We'll see if that maintains, uh, Tyler Eifert's been really helping them in the red zone. It looked like LaFell was starting to make, you know, make some things happen there, uh, over the last couple weeks. What, What do you think about the Cincinnati team this week?
1: yeah i, I i'm kind of with you there that it might be more of a geo week but again you got you got jeremy hill who scored a touchdown in each of his last two weeks um coming off of the, the the 20 carry game it's the second game of the season where he had 20 carries then you have the bye week going into it you know that if they get the ball first it's kind of one of those things that they're going to want to establish the run um but again no, I don't I, I I'm and I'm a Jeremy Hill owner and he's just one of those guys that perplexes me. Um I, I seem to to start him in the wrong weeks and then and then throw a bench on him and then he goes off. Uh <laughs> like I did after his two bad performances in weeks 5 and 6 and I bench him in week 7 when he goes uh, 168 yards with a touchdown. Um So I, I'm definitely I think I I think I might still feel comfortable about starting him though this week just just because I think that they're going to want to establish it the extra week off uh now I'm not as concerned about those 20 carries. Definitely AJ Green must play every single week. Um I've become you've you've turned me into more and more of a fan of him and I'm much much more of a believer the guy is a stud. Uh just, you know, wish he would have more of that uh Diva, give me the damn ball and 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 take it take it crazy. But I appreciate his gentleman like uh, attitude. Uh, Eifert's to play, and again, I'm staying away from everybody else. Not starting a Boyd, not starting a Liffell, Uh Nobody else there that I'm looking for. Dalton, I, I might look to Dalton if I'm streaming, uh, if I'm in a, in a quarterback bind, uh, or if I'm looking for a low play on DFS in order to, to play, uh, you know, a David Johnson and like a Mike Evans.
2: Man, Andy Dalton is so underrated for fantasy. Before his bye week, I think he was, what, what, QB 6? I think he's a little bit further down in the ranks as of right now, playing that extra, or with a lot of those guys playing that extra game. He's currently down at 11th, but he's averaging over 18 fantasy points a game. He's throwing for the yardage, and he really hasn't gotten around to throwing for those touchdowns yet. With Tyler Eifert back in the lineup, I really like Andy Dalton going forward. Uh, his schedule is, is sort of mediocre. It's not great, but it's not going to be the worst either. There's going to be some games where he has to uh, you know, pass the football to get it going. But let's switch over to the Giants, a team that can't really run the football where Rashad Jennings looks like he's toast where Paul Perkins looks like he's an up and comer, but this offensive line also got him nailed behind the line of scrimmage on a number of plays made his life, you know, extremely difficult, but he was able to come out with a fairly decent game in PPR league scoring uh, seven fantasy points. I think it's going to be a continual shift on a weekly basis where he could continue to see more and more work. If he's still available on your waiver wire, he's a guy you might want to add just for that late, season you know could he be the guy late in the season that's an interesting pickup to make what do you think
1: I, I'm, I'm a Paul Perkins guy I, I like it because again we know what Rashad Jennings is and Rashad Jennings does not give you much um, you know Perkins is is he needs to add a little more size you know a little more weight you know but at the same time he's learning the position and so the more that he's able to be out there, I think then he'll start to have the game slow down for him more. And and when you talk about where he's going to be really effective, is going to be in those uh, in those playoff weeks. As far as this week against the the Bengals defense running through it, I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not 100 sold on him. I think he might be able to have a, a big hitter potentially as a an, on a receiving play, but I don't see him doing much damage as a runner in this game.
2: Yeah, uh, the only receiver I'm really starting there is Odell Beckham. I I might give Sterling Shepard a, uh, a bump if uh, Victor Cruz were to be sort of seriously injured, miss a week or two. Sterling Shepard would get a little bit of a bump for me. But I think he's more of a flex play wide receiver, three type receiver right now because he's just not getting the consistent targets, uh, not getting those red zone targets on a consistent enough basis.
1: My question is, you know, we had Odell Beckham. He got the the two touchdowns last week, uh, but 10 targets, only four catches. So um, was held under 50 yards again. Is this game and this matchup one where Odell's going to be able to exploit? You know, is is this going to be one where we're going to be watching? Is it AJ versus Odell or is it going to be AJ leaving Odell in the dust when it comes down to final stats?
2: I don't know. I think this is the type of game that Odell gets up for playing against another premier wide receiver in the league. So I, I think they're going to have sort of a Mike Evans, Julio type shootout from the wide receiver position. So I'm going to play them both and hope that they both rise to the occasion. And I think it could be something that, you know, when you play against a guy who you're commonly compared to, you know, being in the upper echelon and receivers that just raises your game. So I I think it, I think he rises to the occasion. Uh, We talked about the other players here. What else you got for Odell?
1: Well, not even for Odell. I think it's interesting. So we have the Odell versus AJ green. Uh, Then we had uh, the, the, the Sunday night game has Gronkowski versus Jimmy Graham. Then you have Ezekiel Elliott versus Le'Veon Bell. Then you have JGI versus Melvin Gordon. So uh, out of all those afternoon games, then you just have David Johnson, who's going to destroy the 49ers. But Four of the five late games, afternoon and and primetime games, feature great players at the same position matchups. Uh, It really kind of makes it for an interesting watch, and it'll be interesting to see. And I think that's one of the things I'm I'm now going to pay attention to with all these games and especially culminating uh, with the A.J. Green versus Odell Beckham is how that kind of plays out, kind of seeing how each guy responds when the other guy uh, has big plays and, you know – who, who, who steps up and rises to the challenge? Because especially with the running back ones, those are the most interesting because uh, I I play in a lot of the, uh, you know, my playoffs are in the actual uh, fantasy playoffs from the actual playoffs. And we have guys that you keep your roster, but you redraft. But if you have two teams, uh, the running backs on both teams, it's always one team that has the dominating game. And then you have the other running back, gets shut down. So I'm I'm curious to see if that holds true uh, with these matchups.
2: Houdini, man, I was proud of you. You went over two hours without talking about your fantasy teams.
1: Well, no, only because of the relevancy of how it is in playoff matchups where you, you never really get both running backs in a game on, on either side to have a great game. It's usually one team has the, the, the running backs to dominate and the other one just gets shut down.
2: Yeah. Uh, but finally, to wrap up the Giants, uh, let's talk about, you know, we'll tie – Larry Dinell was a healthy scratch. They went with Will Tie as their starting tight end. He played seventy five percent of the t- snaps. He's you know very very low priced uh, on DFS this week. If you're looking to sort of get that min price tight end in there, look for a Will Tie. But he's a guy I need to start keeping on my you know waiver wire radar now, especially if I'm thin at the tight end position. Because Will Ty over the last couple games of the season last year, was one of their better playmakers. And we'll see if potentially a Victor Cruz injury you know, pushes him on the field more, especially with their lack of success in the run game.
1: Yep, I agree. I was one of those guys that owned him toward the end of last year. Um, I still think, though, if you're looking for that help, get Lance Kendricks if he's available. That guy's with the targets he's getting. Uh, I think you get a better immediate impact there. I don't really got anything else on this one uh, unless you got uh, any final things to say.
2: Nah, uh, maybe on Eli Manning. Let's hit Eli Manning real yeah, quick. Say, yeah. I think he is a back end QB one again to where, hey, this is a game where Eli in prime time could get up, have another you know nice showing. Prove, You know, he always seems to play well in the sort of island games uh, where he's on TV alone by himself and he knows Peyton's watching. So oh. that's going to be it's going to be good for Peyton or uh, Eli. If he was dropped in your league and you're an Andrew Luck owner or a Matthew Stafford owner, that is where I start my streaming. I started with Eli Manning. Then I go to a, a guy like, you know, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Jay Cutler, Joe Flacco, they're all in a tier below, uh, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, yep. All right. So uh, thanks
2: very much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Pyromaniac. That is P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyromaniac. Like uh, like us there, subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever other devices you may listen to us on. And we thanks for listening today. Houdini, yeah. what else you got?
1: Hey, thanks for listening. Sorry that uh, I didn't have any of my uh, classic sound bites for you, but be rest assured we're all going to be back together uh, in the same place recording next week. And uh, we will have the full complement uh, with D-Rex and audio. So look forward to that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it should be exciting. But uh, thanks very much for listening today. We appreciate you spending some time with us. And Houdini, finish it out.
1: Make them say when in week 10.